Well, we're in our series about loving God with all we've got. And using out of Mark 11, this great verse where Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Many of you can quote it by heart. And he said this, it's here, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so tonight we get to talk about loving God with all our strength. And we were going to call it loving God with all your bod, but we decided that that was just a little over the top. And you didn't even laugh when I said it. So it's a good thing we didn't do that. And I won't bother to mention it tomorrow on the two services there. We're going to sprint through the book of Luke tonight. Each of you have uh, an outline. I encourage you to have it in hand because the scripture references that we're going to look at and read out loud boldly together are found there on the outline. We're sprinting through the book of Luke and we're asking the question, how did Jesus, the perfect son of God, demonstrate loving God with all of his strength? You know, a few years ago, uh, what would Jesus do? W, I'm slow. W, W, J, D. There we go. Little bracelets and all kinds. It was a lot of cottage injury. injury. Yeah. Industry. Yeah. What would Jesus do? Well, here's the answer tonight. And folks, for any of you that have gotten a little st- uh, stale and bored in your relationship with Jesus, tonight is your night to get into high gear. Okay. You cannot possibly respond to the options in this message tonight. Do it next week and end up in a boring and and stale relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Any of you bottom line people, don't talk about it, just do it. Give me the facts, bullet points. You're going to love tonight. Uh, Some of you are, let's get into action, let's not just talk. Is that you tonight? You're going to love this message tonight. Now for those of you that are more contemplative, and theoretical, and philosophical. We'll, we'll do a message for you before long, but tonight it's action-oriented bullet points. Here we go. We're sprinting, and we're on our way. Let me ask, uh, first of all, how many of you uh, people in this room are men, male types? I don't care if you're a dad. We're all at least sons. Come on, come on, come, come on. Man up here. Hold boldly and loudly. Okay. How many of you are uh, OSU Beaver fans? And tonight I have a special apology for you because last week, last week, uh, my friend and your former friend, your former friend, Isaac, was just tough on you. Uh, Beaver fans, raise your hand. Kevin has a special gift for you. There we go. There we go. It's coming out. Watch out. Watch out. Catch it. Don't want anybody hurt tonight. Okay. All right. Well, for those of you that are uh, committed Duck fans, guys, see your hand here. Okay. Kevin's got one coming. There we go. Oh, come on, Kev. Get that ball out there. Yeah, there we go. Now, how many of you are in the third category? You either like another team or you couldn't care less about any of the foolishness. Go ahead, lift your hands up. We have stuff for you. Come on, get them out, Kevin. Let's go, come on. (laughs) Yeah. I noticed a lot of women raising their hands there. That's perfectly fine. It's kind of an egalitarian group around here. It's Father's Day, but you're included, okay. Well, hey, notice on your outline that there's going to be 10 things that you can do. This is a menu tonight. Uh, we had lunch today. We, you know, you know about us. If you celebrate, anything's worth celebrating, it's worth celebrating for at least a week. If it's a big deal to celebrate, it's worth at least a month. Well, I have declared that Father's Day is a moderate celebration, so it's a week. So, of course, we've been celebrating it, and several of us extended family had lunch today, and, and I stole something from on the border restaurant. Uh, 
stole it right here, brand new menu from them. And there's delightful things. Any of you gone down the border? I'm not getting paid for this. This is not a commercial. I happen to love it. And uh, our server was our very own Joe Lack. There's beverages in here. Many of you, because of your background, should avoid the first two pages entirely. Okay? Okay. <laughs> then there's appetizers and soups and salads. And if you're, you know, manning up this weekend, skip past the soups and salads. Create your own combo. That one works. Tacos, fajitas, uh, enchiladas. Any of your mouths squirting here? Fresh grill. There we go. Burritos and chimneys. And then desserts. Uh, the sizzling apple crisp is you know, other people would say to die for. I find that a crude expression. To live for is what the preacher would say. There we go. Now, when we went to the restaurant today, we all looked at the menu and no one said to Joe, I'll take one of everything. Okay, no one did. I was tempted to do that, but I didn't do it. What did we do? We went in here and we found what we wanted, what we were drawn for, toward. Out of all these options, what made the most sense for us? And tonight, you have a menu in your hand. It's two-sided. It's 10 points. You're scared spitless because you've never seen me talk through 10 points fast at all. I understand. I understand. I'm going to surprise you tonight. This is a gift to the men here. It's going to be to the point. It's going to be brief, pretty much. Promise, almost. (laughs) Tonight, as you go through, there's going to be questions and response points for you at every one of the 10. And you're going to find one or two or three or four or five of these that make sense for you. You're drawn toward it. Uh, People who speak in a little bit more spiritual language would say, the Holy Spirit is at work tonight in each of our lives. And what he is going to do is he's going to draw you towards some of those menu items. And you're going to know that he's leading you toward loving God with your bod this week in that way. Loving God with all your strength. Over the course of your lifetime, just as Jesus did in his life, he loved God in all of these ways. So will you. The question is, which of these is God calling you to be a part of in the next few hours or this next week? Are you ready for number one? What does it say? Let's read it out loud together. Get baptized. Kevin, what do you have written on that ball? Get baptized. Who of you men have a birthday in January? January. Right over here, right over here. There you go. Kevin, birthday gift right here from you. Okay? Everybody has to be alert tonight. I don't want any, I don't want any, is that to Ray? I missed your birthday. Ray, let me be the first to greet you happy birthday for January 2011. (laughs) Take your hand out, would you? Would you read out loud boldly with me, Luke 2, 21 and 23, together? When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Get baptized. The question is, have you been baptized as a believer? Baptized in water as a believer. There's only two kinds of possible answers, yes or no to that. Now, some of us were baptized as infants. And I respect that. I treat that with with great respect. That meant that you had a parent or parents that wanted you to be a person that grew up in the Christian faith. And we respect them for that. We admire them for that. There was prayers over you at that time. What a beautiful thing. But we also look through the New Testament and we find that in the church that water baptism was a choice that believers made. So I made that choice to follow Jesus when I was five years old. It was the real deal. It stuck. When I was six years old, I made the choice to be baptized in water. Anne met Jesus and was baptized when she was 10. Jesus waited until he was 30. So listen up, guys. There's some of you that are going to make a decision tonight 
to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You're going to receive his gift of grace. It's the 10th point. And a next good step for you is to be baptized in water. There are others of you that have walked with Jesus for many, many years, and you've never gotten around to it. And now, frankly, it's just embarrassing to think about. It's kind of like Naaman, a guy back in the Old Testament, a prophet. He sent a a servant to a a prophet because Naaman was dying of leprosy. And he said, I want the prophet to come over here and say a prayer over me because I'll get healed. And the prophet didn't bother to show up, but just sent a servant back and said, just dip yourself in the muddy, cruddy Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman had all of this male testosterone-driven pride thing rise up within him. And he said, I've got cleaner rivers in my backyard. If I wanted to go get wet, it certainly wouldn't be in the Jordan River. And what's this thing about being, sh- uh, you know, uh, dissed by the guy, the man of God who was supposed to... He was dealing with his own pride, his own rationale, and his own arrogance. And finally, in desperation, he went to the Jordan River and he dunked himself seven times. And you know the story. He came out healed. Now, there wasn't any healing curative powers in that river. But God says this, he gives grace to the humble. Listen, guys, none of us feel the best going over backwards in someone else's mercy and being dunked in water, right? That's a vulnerable place. As we identify with the death and burial of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And then when we come out, guess what happens? You're the center of attention. Most of us as guys don't want to be the center of attention. And we're not looking our best. Whatever hair you might have left or in whatever condition or color it is, it doesn't look any better when you come back out of the water. And plus, you've walked with the Lord and you've had positions of leadership in the church. And now you go up there and people are going, what's the deal with him? I mean, I thought probably he was baptized. It's all male pride. It's all it is. Hey, can I give you a heads up? Jesus waited until he was 30. So I don't care if you're 13 or if you're 23 or if you're 30 or if you're 60 or like Anne's aunt last year before she went to be with the Lord. Was she 90? 94 years old, baptized in water. So number one, some of you are going to love God with all your strength by being baptized. So in August, 21st, 22nd, I guess the 22nd, we're going to do a big bash outside, going to meet outside and you can put on your calendar, I'm guaranteeing beautiful weather. Yeah, wouldn't this month, but beautiful weather. And we're going to have a baptistry out there, a portable baptistry. It's going to be a wonderful celebration service and barbecue and all kinds of fun stuff. Great time to get baptized. If you're not going to be around that weekend, the third weekends of the next two months, we're going to be baptized in water here. So is your decision tonight to love God with all your strength by following Jesus in loving his father and your father by being baptized? So Kevin, do you have a second ball? What does it say on it? Skip some meals. Oh, this one's fun. How many of you have birthdays in February? Men, 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 February. Right here. Mark, there we go. All right. So would you remind me next February? Because you're like the guy here in the church, and we'll make a big deal out of, out of your birthday. There we go. Okay, would you take it, look at it, read number two out loud boldly with me together? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. <laughs> do, you, do you? I'm sorry. I'm with you on that. Really? Now that's profound. If I don't eat for 40 days, I may end up hungry. That's exactly what it says. Well, from what I understand, a, 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 a generally uh, in-shape adult person can go about 40 days, obviously dealing with some appetite issues and lack of energy and probably some poor uh, attitude and maybe some uh, itchy behavior along the way. But once the body has consumed all of its reserves of fat, it begins to kind of to cannibalize organs. 
And at that point, hunger pangs, which is not appetite, but it's the body screaming out and saying, you're about to kill yourself, began to surface. And so that's what we understand what happened for Jesus. Now, the deal was that he skipped some meals. This is pretty exciting. I get your juices flowing with this menu, and then number two is skip some meals, right? Jesus fasted here for 40 days. Much of the rest of his life in ministry, he didn't. But he said that they, his followers would, would, would uh, fast in the future. And throughout the New Testament, we find that a frequent past, uh, practice. Fasting does several things. This is not a message on fasting. I'll just give you two. The first thing it does is it says, God, I love you with all of my strength. I will demonstrate across my life that you are more important to me than anything else including natural, appropriate, necessary, physical appetites. I will occasionally say no to my body, including consuming food, for a designated period of time to let that be worshipped to you, God, in a way that says you're more important to me than food itself, loving God with all your strength. A second very practical thing that fasting does is this. It frees up some time. When I don't eat lunch, I have lunch time to do something. And generally in Scripture, we find that fasting and prayer are associated together. And it makes sense, doesn't it? If I'm not eating, I have time to do something else with that time. And generally it's prayer, and that's the application that we're making here. I was introduced to fasting as a practice at Eugene Faith Center. Ann and I were there, and uh, by the way, it was probably the same week that we held hands for the first time together. I used to love that about worship liturgy. You know, back in the day, the hippie day, some of you were there. We used to hold hands during worship. Oh, so you wanted to be by the girl that you really wanted to hold hands with. It got a little bit creepy over time. Seriously, I, we don't do that anymore. Maybe we will someday. But uh, Ann and I were holding hands and I was introduced to fasting. Can you imagine that? At the end of the service, our pastor, Roy Hicks Jr., would often say, okay, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. And he'd say, I want you to lift your hands right in front of God right now. If you're going to fast on Monday, who's going to fast on Monday? Who's going to fast on Tuesday? Who's going to fast on Wednesday? Who's going to fast on Thursday? Who's going to fast on Friday? Who's going to fast on Saturday? Okay. Because it was a way of life for us. Now, I discovered that when I started fasting, I thought I was going to die just thinking about it. And the first day that I did it was not a pretty thing at all. But discovered over time, as I began to learn a little more, practice a little more, there was a seven-day fast and 21-day fast and 30-day fast and a couple 40-day fasts. And I've been down this road a few times. And by the way, there's nothing I'll be talking about tonight that I couldn't tell a few stories out of my own life because we do this. This is the way of life for us. So the question is for you this week, what day are you going to fast? And the second question is, what meal or what meals are you going to skip? Skip a meal now and then. Love God with all your strength. Demonstrate this week. Maybe for you it's going to be a lunch. You're going to say, I have a 30-minute lunch break. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to eat lunch on Thursday. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a walk, and it's going to give me about 20 minutes that I'm just going to spend some one-on-one time with Jesus, praying with him, talking with him in a way that I wouldn't normally. Skip a meal now and then. Kevin, number three is? Get alone. Get alone. Birthday's in March. Men, hands up. Here we go. Get alone. All right. Whoa. (laughs) Would you read out loud with me? Number three. Together, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This week, I will show up at a place, at a time, on these days, and I will do something. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. 
We're told in other descriptions, in Luke and in other places, what he generally did. We know that he was off by himself, not just because he wanted to get away from the disciples, though I'm sure he was motivated at times to do that, but because he spent one-on-one time with the Father. Can I tell you that this is fairly easy for me to fill in? This is what mine says in the the fill-in-the-blanks deal. It says, number three, this week I will show up at my favorite chair with my happy lamp. Some of you were here two weeks ago. (laughs) At 5 a.m., on these days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I will do this. I will use my soap journal, reading the scripture, writing an observation, making an application, praying about that application, and launching that into my time of prayer. I don't know about you, but there are some weeks that my very best times with God are not when I'm here at church. You ever had that experience? My experience at church is generally good. Sometimes it's fantastic. Once in a while, it's not all that great. And sometimes when it's not all that great together in the community is the very week that some of my one-on-one time with God is just stellar. So when I come to church, I have a feast with the family. And daily, I self-feed myself from God's Word in one-on-one time. Jesus demonstrated loving the Father with all of His strength in part by getting alone with Him. Kevin, number four, says... Go to church. Well, we're preaching to the choir, aren't we? Any birthdays in April here? Gentlemen, April, birthdays right over here. Are you ready? All right, there we go. And your name is? Ian. Do you like green? Shirt, ball, the whole thing is going over there. Kevin, good eye, good eye. We only hire really, really smart pastors. There we go. Okay, number four. Let's read it out loud together. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. On another Sabbath. The story tells about what he did on the previous Sabbath. And what we find it was was Jesus' natural pattern of life to, on Saturday, show up in the synagogue. Or if he was in Jerusalem, he would go to the temple on Saturdays on the Sabbath or at the religious services. When we find the early church, it says that they met together at various places, large group that would have been around the temple, at temple public services. It would have been in small groups and homes as well. By the time you get about three or four decades later, and Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he commends them for their regular practice of meeting together regularly on the first day of the week. We don't believe that there is a holy day. We believe that every day with God is a holy day. So those are conventions. They are practices. But what is in common is this, the regular gathering together with the community. And we call that in the big group setting here at Evergreen going to church. It just makes sense to regularly do it. Now, I don't know what your regular practices are, but over the generations, church attendance practices uh, have changed hugely in terms of what regular attendance is. And I'm not here to make a case for one thing or another But I am here to make this case. Ask Jesus what he wants you to do this summer as it relates to getting together with the family. That's the case. I trust him to lead you. And I trust you to ask and to hear him. What I do want to challenge is getting sloppy. And sloppiness is this. If nothing else cool shows up on the weekend, I'll go to church. That's kind of sloppy, isn't it? That's a lesser priority. So if loving God with all your strength includes showing up with the family on a weekend, then the first question is, what weekends am I going to put into my calendar that by by faith I'm going to participate in church? 
And I'm, by the way, is it okay if, if this, this pastor tells you that I'm going to skip being with you two out of the next ten Sundays, okay? And I'm going to be at another church as a guest speaker on one of those. And then you won't believe, you won't believe that Ann and I would do this and not be with you just for this reason. But we're going to get to go to Katie's dedication in Everett, Washington, one of those Sundays. So we know in advance that two out of the next ten were, or I am not going to be here. But I can check those other eight. I can put those in my calendar and I can say, I'm showing up by faith with the family. Also, some of you have already scanned some of the working uh, topics that were going there, and some of you are going to make sure that you show up on a particular Sunday in July. I know that you've already discovered that one. <clears throat> Consider this fair warning. Anne and I intend for that to be a PG uh, uh, message. Uh, if you have children that uh, or grandkids that shouldn't be a part of a PG message, then uh, they shouldn't be here on that one. But then you know Anne and me, we tend to go just a little across the line anyway. So it might be PG-13. I don't, we, don't, we don't intend to be bad, but everybody in the world is talking about sex except the church. I mean, what better place to talk about God's gift than in the church? Well, I'm already off on that one. And <clears throat> we're probably going to have to have a fourth service that Sunday now. I can do. Okay, Kevin, you have a fifth ball. What does it say on it? Yeah, get a group. Get a group. And birthdays in May. Men, May. Here we go. Kevin and... Joel and Jerry. All right. You have it there in your hand. Let's read it out loud together. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So get a group. Jesus did. He had people who volunteered to be with him. They're called disciples. And he chose from that crowd a group of 12 that he was going to particularly associate with. And from among the 12, he chose three that he was really going to particularly be close to. And of the three, one of them volunteered for being the very closest one of all. Whether or not he was, John said, and I'm the one that Jesus really, really loved. But what we see is that Jesus, God's son, when he put himself in the physical limitations of space and time, could not love everyone the same way, okay? God so loved the world that he gave his son. God loves everyone the same. But when we are in the limitations of space and time in human form, that could be God. Please answer. (laughs) Then we have limitations on how we're going to relate to people. So when we come to church on Saturday night, we're a part of a crowd. It's a happy crowd. It's a fun crowd. And we hang out in the lobby and we have fun stuff and we bump into each other and we meet some new people and we, and, uh, we advance some old relationships. But being at church on a weekend is being a part of a crowd. When you group up, you become part of the community and really began to tie in together. So on the back side of the page, there's a variety of small groups. There's men's groups and women's groups, and there's youth groups and college groups and single parent groups and 20s and 30s groups and mommy to mommy groups. Thank you, Kay. This is my precious kid right down here next to the old grandpa Russell that I was messing with earlier. Hmm? And there's, uh, there's Adults Alive, and there's going to be Financial Peace University coming. In other words, there's lots of groups around here. So if you are not connected or if you're feeling disconnected or if you don't know people or you don't like the people you know and you'd like to find some new ones, there's a lot of motivations to get tied into groups. There's a lot of options here. And then the cool thing is if you check out the groups and don't like any of them, start your own. 
Great idea. Start a group. There's a lot of groups around here. They're spontaneous. They're organic. They're not church organized. We don't even know about them. That's not the point. This is the tip of the iceberg. So if there's a group you want to start and you need some help doing it, check in with us. We're, you know, help people start groups. We're glad to do that. The point is Jesus chose 12 and he hung out with them. So the question is, what group are you going to check out or join or start this week? Is that the menu item that you're being called to express in loving God with all your strength? Number six, Kevin, what does it say? Birthdays in June. Any birthdays today, by the way? (laughs) I've been promising Russell for uh, 11 months that I'd pay him a buck a week if he'd sit on the front row. That was a very expensive ball, Russell, and that just made us even right there. It made us even. Number six, give back. Let's read it out loud with gusto. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. So Jesus went with them. Two simple verbs, asked him to come, and Jesus went. He was asked, and he went. Let me ask you a question. It's rhetorical. I know it's Sunday school. Don't embarrass yourself by asking. Answering, did Jesus ever get it wrong in obeying his father in what he was being called to do. Oh, Jesus got it right perfectly all the time. But would you notice how natural Jesus got it right? A guy had a servant who needed to be healed, asked Jesus to come, so Jesus went. Loving God with all of our strength includes saying yes from time to time when we're asked for stuff. It's the giving back piece. It's the reciprocal piece. Now, there's many, many ways to do that. We'll just mention a few of them around here. You can give back lots of different places in lots of ways. But let me ask this week. In fact, this week in particular, when the team, uh, we're going to be closing down regular office operations here because the the whole uh, staff team is going to be engaged in just doing a whole bunch of physical work on mostly the inside of the building. Some of you might want to help us and participate in that. But the point is here, there's a whole variety of things that you might want to check out in giving back. If that's the menu item for, for you, which of those are you going to check on this week? Here we are, number seven. Kevin, what does it say? Eat with friends. Now we're finally to the eating thing. Hey, how about birthdays in the months of July and August? July and August. We've got Stan over here. Oh, we've got a gentleman right back here, over here. All right. Stan, I pointed you out on purpose so he would pick you. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Here we are. (laughs) Oh. I think you can get ready on this back section over here. If there's going to be any birthdays in the next two months, it's going to be coming that way. Yeah. All right. Eat with friends. Let's read together out loud. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. You know the story. They had a brother called Lazarus. This is the first time they met, apparently. But after they had this meal, we find in the biblical record that Jesus visited their home along with his followers on many, many occasions. They were dear, close friends. When Lazarus died, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, 
Jesus wept. That's the affection that he had for this family that he stayed with, that he loved, that he ate with. The point is here, eat with some friends. Some of you are feeling led right now to do this one. You didn't feel so led on the second one, skip a meal, but you're really feeling drawn toward this one. I understand. I understand. Eat with friends. So the question is, who are you going to invite this week to have a meal, to have coffee, to be with, and on what day will you do that? Kevin, do we have number eight? What does it say? All right, birthdays in September and October, and I would just get ready right over here. September and October, here we go. All right, this is a football, here we go. Oh, all right, yeah, Ed, good man. Ed, your birthday is about the 14th of September. And I'm going to remind you of that, okay? Is that okay with all of you? Because I want you to know when Ed's birthday is. Got that? Ed's birthday is when? September 14th which happens to be the day before mine. Yeah, yes, sir. I'll set that one up. All right. Hang out with free Christians. Let me read this one to you. You can just listen in. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man eats with sinners and welcomes them. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus loved to hang out with mm, sinners, end quote. And heaven is thrilled when people repent. You had a postcard. This is just tender to me. This, I know, tender on Father's Day. I'm not supposed to use that word. This just really gets me going right here, this postcard. Just take a look at it a minute. Do you see that? Thank you for serving and contributing to Ignite September through June. 62 salvations, 44 baptisms, 318 unique students came to this campus in that after-school program. What an amazing thing. Heaven threw a lot of parties this year over this. We have council meeting once a week, and uh, we are just so blessed, just amazing people on the council. Joel's here. Greg's over here tonight. If, if there's others of you on the council that aren't here, I'm, uh, I'm missing you. But we just so love and appreciate our council. And uh, one of them in particular, Dan, often comes in this service sometimes at 11. He'll be here tomorrow. But Dan, uh, we, we, you know, we, we try to have some, you know, some like respectable decorum nice notebooks and agendas and financial statements and everything that you should do in a business meeting. And Dan comes in, he says, how many people got saved last month? That's where we start. So uh, knowing that that's where he would start. And last month, it happened to be 40, 40 people made first-time commitments to Christ last month. So in great Anne style, she had poppers on the table. So the council meeting started not with a Call this meeting to order, but with a popper saying, thank you, Jesus, for the people that are coming to know you. We're all about that. So what do we do around here? We find and we tell and we bring. Find, tell, bring. So who are you praying for on your love list? And who is it this week that you can invite to be a part of something? It may be services here next weekend. It may be a small group that you're a part of. It may be lunch. We don't know. What we do know is this. We've moved into a summer period. It's not a summer sabbatical of Wednesday night services, but it's a summer season of Wednesday nights invested in God's world in your community. 
So the 11 weeks that we have between now and Ignite starting again next fall, when school starts, sorry for those of you students, it's only 11 weeks. I wasn't supposed to say that, was I, the first week out? In that 11-week period, you have 11 Wednesday evenings to invest loving people that Jesus loves to hang out with. Who's on your love list? Who are the folks in your community and your circle of friendship at work or your neighbors or your friends or family that don't know Jesus? And how are you going to invest that evening the way Jesus very likely would if he was physically here? In loving people, in hanging with them, in spending time with the people that Jesus really loves. We're off to nine, Kevin. What does it say? Help kids. Help kids. And I'm going to, uh, are we at what, November and December? Birthdays? Gentlemen, here we go. Men, November, December. All right, George is in the back. Can you get back to him? I don't think so. I think that's a challenge. There we go. All right. Hey, should we give Kevin a hand or what? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Let's read this one out loud together, would you? Number nine. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. That's what Jesus said. He loved God with all of his strength, in part by loving kids, helping kids. You know that God has, we believe, given a vision that he wants to, through us, touch 1,000 kids. That's children and students in 2010. We're well on our way toward that at almost the halfway point of this year, but we have a long way to go. The question for you is, how is God going to engage you in the touching of some of those 1,000 kids in the next few months? And if you're looking for opportunities that you can do that uh, internally here at the church and externally through some of the ministry opportunities that we have here, there's a couple of contact points here. Uh, pastor Kim Lawless, kids pastor, and Kevin, who has the great arm, our student ministries pastor, would love to begin to network you with some of those opportunities. It was so cool, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago to see the video of Dennis Minter, uh, one of the guys, the dads in the church that regularly gave a lunch hour uh, this spring at Mooberry to read with the kids. And so he talked about what happened in his relationship with some of those kids. Were they second graders, if I recall? It's such a wonderful thing. And the 85 adults that were regularly, every week, a part of Ignite and ASAP here, the after-school program. And those of you that are going to be going to the coast as chaperones and mentors and leaders for kids that are going to be going over. And the list goes on and on and on. How is God calling you to explore loving kids, loving God with all your strength? And now we come back, come down to the last one, the one that's the very most powerful and important If this is a top 10 list, we have just come to the really big deal on the whole list. And it's this, get your real life. This is what it says about Jesus in Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. Jesus loved his father with all he had, all his strength, all his body, stretched out in the Roman form of capital punishment of a common thief or criminal, stretched out, gasping for air, suffocating to the death. But instead of dying a natural death, 
made a choice to give up his life. And he gave up his life for you. Being a follower of Christ is not for sissies. It's not for weak people. It's not an easy out. It is a tough and gutsy road following the example of Jesus Christ who knew how to give it all. But it does require some humility to get on board. It's the humility of saying, I can't do it on my own. I must receive a gift. And it's the gift of love. It's the gift of grace. It's the gift of forgiveness that takes all of the distance between you and God, not a distance that he wants from you or that you want from him, but a distance that's real because there's a barrier called sin. His absolute holiness and righteousness, not being able to penetrate the unholiness and unrighteousness that we bring. And so he sent his son who gave it all, who could stand in our place and pay the price and come back to life and say, I now have a gift for you of your real life as you accept his gift in forgiveness. And tonight, as you've gone through the, mess, the, uh, the menu, maybe there's been one or two areas that have been the place for you to get on board this week. And for some of you tonight, this is the one that's most outstanding above any of the other nine. It's your night to get right with Jesus Christ.